Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by One Call Plumbing and Gas Fitting. Residential and commercial, they do it all. No job too big, no job too small. For all your needs, there's just one call. 613-307-4080. Do you live in Cornwall or the surrounding area? Don't be a moron and try to figure out yourself. Just call One Call. 613-307-4080. So ladies and gents, I've been talking about injecting some local flavor into the podcast and what better way than bringing our next guest, a right winger who used to buzz up and down the wing in the CGHL from 2001 to 2004. He had 42 points and 410 penalty minutes. He played for the Nepean Raiders and the Hawksbury Hawks. Dylan Gravely, welcome to the Bucket Drop Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on and introducing some flavor to this. I'm also here with Matt O'Connor. So uh, anyways, I'm going to let Matt say his uh, his hellos. And- hey boys, how's it going? Good, man. Good. Well, I think, do you want to just jump right into this, Rob, or you want me to fucking talk all day? Go ahead. Fuck, Dylan. Like I was telling you earlier, it's been fucking ages since I've talked to you, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. It feels, honestly, 20 years, I would say it fucking feels like. Fucking pretty lucky to be alive to this day, actually talking fucking a few of those nights we had. Some of those nights we had, I'm surprised I still have a life. Remember that time, man, you freaking blocked my ear, my eyes and I couldn't fucking see and uh, and I think it was fully old, pulled the e-brake when I was taking a turn on the corner? Yeah, that, but that was a normal night. I, obviously, I remember that, but that's, that was normal back then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, actually, Dylan, can you just talk, can you just tell us about uh, what you're up to now? Right now, uh, honestly, I used to, I ran a ceramics facility in Canada. They closed that down. They moved me to America, Ohio. So, America it is. But, uh, yeah, now I'm... Uh, a quality manager of a facility that makes shitters for boats and RVs. I end like million to $5 million yachts. So it's, it's a, it's a shitty job literally, but we make toilet systems for those big ends and people have to always go to the bathroom. So I'm always going to have a job. You're never going to believe it boys, but uh, I married a preacher's daughter. Oh, wow. Well, when I, first time I went to church, the wall started to melt. So I don't know what that meant, but whatever the fuck it meant. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our church is a bit funner over there. Or what? Yeah. They're a lot different. Like where, I don't know, from Cornwall, I feel like when we went to church, it was basically Catholic. You get down, you're on your knees, you pray, all that stuff. But you come here, there's bands, there's music, there's singing. It's a, it's a totally different ball game here. Like, it's a, almost an amphitheater. Yeah, there's not, you're not coming into a, an organ playing. It feels like someone just fucking died. Is that, a, is that a dog that I hear in the background? No, I have two dogs. I have a pit bull and a Doberman, but I put them away because I... <laughs> be honest with you, I read up on some podcast stuff because it's my first one. And I said, put the dogs away because you don't need to hear them in the background. <laughs> are you, uh, obviously, I, I used to see you on Facebook a little bit. Are you, uh, are you still doing the dog training in that? Well, I, I did some dog showing. I got my, my doorman I still have right now. He's, he's 10 years old, but uh, yeah, I, I don't show anymore, but I just did it as a personal thing just to show my own dog. It was a new challenge. I wanted to see what I could do. Uh, with the, with dogs and and in the show ring, but what it came down to was uh, I, I, people started asking me to show their dogs, and it wasn't interesting. I just did it to show my own dog and get his championships in Canada and America and the United United Kennel Club. I got his championships there. It's kind of boring, but uh, it was just a thing to do with my dog. Honestly, I have my own. I have a, a little uh, Labradoodle, and like, nice. yeah, yeah, he's uh, he looks kind of funny right now. I tried to shave him myself today, so definitely not a show dog. Do you find that? Uh, certain dogs react way better to training or do you think you'd be able to take on this uh, this task yeah i think it's 
I think if you get them at a young age and you actually spend time with them and find out what motivates that dog, every dog has something different. Like Draco is a dominant dog. Like I'll tell you a story in the ring why we I stopped showing him. Some young handler said, hey, can I show your Doberman? I said, I, I was kind of sketchy on it. I knew he was dominant. He doesn't like other people and he doesn't like other dogs. So when I'm in a show ring with him, I grab his face and when we go around the ring, it's just me. So I got to keep him so interactive and he's bait motivated. So he went and showed the dog once and gave him a quick, sharp pull on the collar. And Draco grabbed his arm and got him for about 10 stitches. That was violent. And uh, it was just a practice time. And what happened was, it's it's weird. My, I'm not saying my dog's racist, but a black dog went by and he went to get the dog. And, the, and when, the, when the handler gave him a quick snap, that's when Draco grabbed his arm. And that's part of the reason why I got out of handling too. So I was in Quebec when this happened. And anytime you go to the hospital with a dog bite, you have to basically say, well, was it a dog that they lied about it? The people that he bit because it was kind of his fault. And then what happened after that was uh, the next day I went to, it was, it was a, usually a dog show. It was a four day show. So the next day I went and then I got approached by a bunch of people saying that they wanted to, they think he should be put down and all that. So <laughs> I fucked off out of Quebec and never showed again. I was going to say, did you get sued or anything like that for it or? Nothing. No, didn't get sued. Didn't get any of that stuff. I just, I said, I got into showing dogs for my dog and you'd be surprised. Like there's so much fucking politics and dog shows. It's unbelievable. It's a money game. You know what I mean? You're breeding these top line dogs. So I was doing it for my dog. I said, I'm not losing my dog. If they want to come to my house, then they can meet Gary. You guys know my dad, Matt. So good luck with yeah. that. All right, Dylan. So we're going to get into a little bit of puck here. So why don't you uh, yeah. tell us a bit about your history? Uh, start us off. Uh, I watched a few of your games when you were playing for the Rapids, double uh, A. Bantam, mm-hmm. uh, start us off there and tell us where you went. And if you want to throw that story in about uh, about Winchester there that you told me, that'd be good for for the viewers too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we played Seaway Valley AA. So that's, uh, it's a local system at a Cornwall. It kind of puts all your regions together, like North, uh, North Dundas, uh, Glengarry, all those areas. So all your, your top of your players go to that. And then what happens is after you get, you finish that league. I think we were probably 13 or 14. And then you go play junior, like either you're playing junior or you're playing, playing men's league hockey. So myself and Jesse actually went to, went to try uh, junior B in Morrisburg. It's kind of a weird story that uh, we both went there together and we uh, did the tryouts. And you know what they did for the last last tryout? They said, go down on shootouts. So basically all the, the guys were kind of on the cut line from Morrisburg. Remember the guy's name, Barry, because he told me I was too small and I told him to fuck off. But he had us line up and he said, take penalty shots, like one-on-one. It's kind of like what they do in the NHL now. I couldn't fucking bury puck. I was just, I was good at passing and grinding the corner. I said, well, this, there goes my job on this team. So I missed uh, two or three uh, shootouts. Barnett scored. You guys know Pete Barnett. He scored. Uh, Tebow, which uh, was another junior B player, went junior A, eventually played for Brockville. He scored. I don't think me and J- maybe Jesse did. I forget, but we got cut after that. And then from there, like Barry told us, we were too small. So I went to... Uh, Dad said, well, don't give up now. You're still young. He just came out of double A. Go try Winchester. So me and Jesse both went with Winchester and we signed. I remember I remember back then, like signing, you, you, we got sticks. Like I was excited about getting a one piece wood stick because I signed with the team. Like that's, you remember those days where you get sticks and skates. We never got skates running that for Winchester, but that was a big deal. So we started playing together and we ripped it up. Like I think there was me, Jesse and Liam Turpin played together in a line. And I think... Jesse fit, obviously beat me in points, and then uh, I think I got 68 mm-hmm. points that year, and Jesse was around 74 to 78. I, it was a years ago, boy, so it's foggy. But, yeah, that's uh, that's my story with Jesse. And then he went on to play with uh, with the Colts. I think because he was in a district where you, you can just protect a player, you don't actually get drafted in the junior A system back then. So Jesse went and played there. 
And I got drafted by Nepean because I was kind of in that like outskirts area because Jesse actually was like in Cornwall Colts range. So they, he's, he signed with that. Yeah. And then I went playing Nepean. And then <laughs> you don't realize how uh, like someone like Jesse, like there's players that make it to the show like Jesse. I play with Benoit Pouliot and Hawksbury as well, too. They, they make you a better player. When I was on his line, oh, yeah, I was getting points. Jesse was. Jesse was Jesse, and we know how his his, his work ethic above beyond. I'm play with anyone who probably worked harder than him. That's why he is where he is, guys. Like no bullshit. The guy worked harder than anybody. Next year, I went to Nepean, and I didn't have that guy on my line. So my role was basically playing the fourth line, the plug guy, going down the boards, up and down hard. And I didn't really fit in. I didn't have a role. I wasn't like getting the points I thought I would because junior B, junior A is a big jump. Like there's a lot of guys. Junior B is your local guys, then you get junior A where it's. People are getting drafted. They're coming in from areas. I know it's not the OHL, but it was just a different league. So I, I started fighting, and I got in a lot of fights, a lot of penalty minutes. As you can see on the numbers you guys threw up there, I was uh, I was fighting probably eight to ten times a year, if not more, in 40, 50 games. So. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, about your fighting days? I mean, uh, yeah. uh, what, what it was what was it like? And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a story from a fight or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Well, I remember <laughs> – this is a good story, actually – I was playing in the pen. I, mean, I think Lanark was in the league at the time. I think they folded and they went to a different place. But there was a scrum in front of the net. And I was lined up with Mark Mancarry, which he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know if he's in the show anymore. But I played with him. And then this guy named Matt Hyde, he played for Lanark. And I'm not lying. Look up his stats. This guy was 6'7". He had meat cleavers for hands. <laughs> so Man- Mark Mancarry said they were kind of like doing it out a bit. I thought they were going to go. And man carry said, no, I'm not doing it. Like, wasn't going to go. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to go. So I went with him. I remember punching up. Remember guys, I'm five, six. Back then yeah. I was probably 185 pounds. So I had a little bit of, a little bit thicker back then. And I said, well, we're going to, we're going to toss him. So we went with it. He definitely got the best of me, but I didn't back down. I didn't fall. But the best part of the story is back then you got, you got kicked out of the game for fighting. So I got kicked out. I remember asking the trainer, fuck boys. I don't remember where I parked my car. <laughs> And so basically, I remember at this time I was living with uh, Jamie Dunlap and he went to uh, Ferris State where Legui went. He played with Legui and he was, that's who I billed with in the PN and he had to drive me home because I didn't remember where I parked my car. That was my first concussion. So then you're waking up every two hours at nighttime by your billets, which they were the best billets I've ever had. They were good. But that was, that was one of the good fights I had that I remember that uh, I didn't do too well, but it was against a guy who was six or seven, probably outweighed me by a hundred. Right on. Um, and actually that guy that you said, uh, man carry, did he, did he have a nickname like scary man carry? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I called him a pussy after that. <laughs> he had skill. He's, I think he went on to play for the 67s. He had skill, but he just basically was a big tampon. Oh, okay. Obviously, uh, you, uh, had the chance to play, uh, for Eric Veyer. Uh, he was your coach, correct? Yeah. Eric is to this day and age is the guy that got the best out of me when I played hockey. I didn't, I I got basically when I went to Nepean, I got traded to Brockville. I was playing with Barnett and all that. And then we partied a lot. So we got pulled up in the Jeff Carter was our coach. And he pulled us up in the, in the coach's lounge and said, hey, Gravely, if you want to keep on partying like this, you can go live back in fucking at Monkland. <laughs> I got released that year and went and played junior B for a little while. In between this gap, I was playing for Aquasosony. And Barnett yeah. got traded. So, But the next year, Veyu invited me to tryouts. So I went tried out for the first time in Hawkesbury. And, I got in six, I think it might have been six to seven fights in that training camp to get a spot. And they gave me actually, the next year they gave me assistant captain. But that's the guy, he, was, he wasn't much taller than me, Eric. But my, my role on that team was uh, blocking shots. Uh, I, I played with Benoit Pouliot that year. He, he played in the NHL for numerous, I think he's with the Buffalo Sabres now, but I don't know if he's playing. But 
that's another like Jesse Winchester. When you play with those kind of players, they have a different gear. They have a different level that uh, Benoit was very good, but he wasn't uh, motivated sometimes. And Eric could get the best out of anybody. And he, we knew that Eric played for the Cornwall Aces too as well. Like you said, uh, Eric had an extensive uh, AHL career and he played for the Cornwall Aces. So uh, people that are listening, yeah, Cornwall used to have an AHL team. Uh, obviously, he told us uh, how it was playing for him. And uh, uh, I remember, Dylan, because I, I played one year under you. And uh, I remember one of those double uh, A banquets, you had one MVP. So like I'm talking ages ago, but uh, yeah. I was also an undersized kid. So I had to play tougher than I actually was. So do you think that being a smaller player gave you that extra gear as well to uh you know to to spend more time working out and all that yeah 100 percent. i didn't have i was never the most talented guy but most coaches that i played for said i worked the hardest and that that was my advantage i didn't care what my size what size was but i knew if i spent time in the gym uh cardio like when, when i went to Nepean, and i was partying way too much i was young i moved to a billet house i wasn't working out and i didn't fit in then when i went and played for hawksbury I stayed at home with my parents and they got me back on track with, but playing, but being that hardworking guy, like I agree with you hundred percent being small, you had to be faster. You had to be stronger. And back when you guys both know back when we played hockey, there wasn't a fight in the game. It wasn't regular. Now you don't see the fights. The head hits aren't as big anymore. Like there's a lot more back then you had to protect yourself. Like get through my stick before you're going to get to me. I think you know what I'm talking about, Robbie. Yeah, and, and just uh, mentioning that, uh, what do you? What is your uh, your thoughts of the current NHL? Do you watch it? Do you follow it? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Bruins fan. I went to Columbus game the other night. I I like it. I like the speed. I like it how they can be some smaller players. Back when I played, if you were five six. Good luck making the show. Your average height is probably six foot back then. There's some small guys in the league now. They're fast. They're taking care of their heads. But I don't. I I miss the old time hockey. I miss seeing people like Bob Probert throwing down and like your tough guys. It gave them jobs like. Look at this day and age, like how many head injuries has Crosby had? How many injuries has he had? If you had a Semenko like Gretzky had, it would be a different story. Those guys wouldn't be getting hurt. Their careers would be longer. I think you guys could both vouch for that with me. Definitely agree on that, Dylan. Did you get a chance to, to, to follow the uh, the Battle of Alberta lately? It seems like it's uh, it, it's old, old hockey again. I'm loving it. And I don't know if you saw last night's game, but there was a little bit of a line brawl and the two goalies went at it. I, I just love that kind of stuff. That, that's hockey. That's part of it. You guys are getting paid to entertain. Like, I know it's, I, I think watching that style of hockey brings a good crowd to it. It makes it exciting. It makes it rivalries like Boston and Montreal. Back in the day, there was, even when I first started watching hockey and Charo Canada League was playing for Boston, like when the hits, just it was a different style of hockey. Now it's if someone gets laid out on the ice, they're going to review it and say it was a head hit, even if the guy ducked. I'm sorry, you're getting paid to watch your head and keep your head up. Yeah, if it's intentional, I get it. You deserve to get a fine, but if it's something where you duck low and you get hit, that's life. I'm sorry, that's my opinion, but not everyone's going to agree with that. Really agree, and uh, I was actually at the game this year when uh, the Bruins put a shit kicking on the Habs at eight to one, and uh, <laughs> I love man, it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. You would have probably loved it. But uh, at the same time, I mean, like I was sitting at that game wondering, like, are they going to do something to spark the game? You know, like just, I don't know, throw a hit or have a fight, you know, like you're in your own barn and you're you're being completely embarrassed, but just nothing. And I, I think that's part of the, the old game that is missing. Yeah, well, that's like if it was a 4-1 hockey game, like there was times when you would just know, okay, someone fourth line's coming out. There's going to be some hitting. Well, perfect example. When I went to the Columbus game against Boston, Rask got elbowed within the first 30 seconds, concussion gone. The guy didn't fucking get hit once that game and played the whole game. Ten years ago, yeah. the guy would have lost his teeth, and, and that's that's the goo mentality. I get it, but 
your goalie is there to be protected. That's an example of it. And I know Bruce Cassidy lit into the Bruins for it, but Chara, you're there. You're a tough guy. That that shouldn't have went 60 minutes of hockey without him getting touched. Yeah, but you got to give the old vet uh, credit there. He, he had a few tilts this year. Oh, yeah. I love Chara. I think he's an asset to a team. Sometimes he can be a liability, but I do love him just because his, his position of a stick all the time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, who was your idol growing up? I used to love Martin St. Louis, to be honest with you. It was a mixture. I like Martin St. Louis because his skill level wasn't much of a fighter, but I also like Ty Domi because the guy had a head like a brick and you couldn't knock him out. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I just read Ty Domi's book, Dylan, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have a chance to read it or not, but you should if you didn't because uh, there's some pretty good stories. Uh, one of the stories I read was pretty funny is uh, he talked about him and Belfour going out one night to a bar. Belfour had a few too many and he wanted to arm wrestle everybody in the bar. And competitor he is, Belfour, well, he started to lose his arm wrestling fight, so he wanted to fight everybody. So Domi, yeah. Domi gets out of the bar, brings him back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Guy's trying to stay out of the hotel room, won't stay in his bed. So Domi says, oh, sorry, Belfour, you know, I love you, man. But And then he just fucking knocked him right out. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah. probably a good, it's probably a good thing that that happened, to be honest with you. Another good read you might want to try is, uh, you ever read Theo Fleury's book? I did. Yeah, it's great. That's a beauty book. That just shows you why he is where he is. <laughs> I'll be honest, uh, but I also read the Probert book, and uh, that one's my favorite out of all of them, for sure. Never got that one yet. I really want to read that one. I really do. Check that one out. Some crazy-ass stories in that one. But he just, uh, I think there's a movie that just came out about him, too, so I, I don't know. I, I, I watched the movie. You can watch the movie or read the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a hard time reading fucking a full paragraph. Never mind writing it. So we'll be good. I definitely watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. You can find your car now, though. Brother? Yeah, I can find it once in a while, and that, that that'll lead back to some of the when we get into the fighting aspect of it. Kind of why I step away sometimes too, because I've probably on probably five or six. I've had good concussions where I just like ah, I see some of these guys. I didn't want to be like that when I got older. No, for sure. And uh, actually, uh, can you? Uh, just tell us what your fondest memory of the CJHL was. And uh, also at the same time, like I don't want to get too deep, but is there something uh, from that, that experience playing in that league that uh, you were able to, to apply to your regular life as well? Uh, fondest memory of the CJHL was probably actually getting drafted. And that's, it sounds kind of weird, but knowing that I've gone to the next level, I worked hard. I was always a smaller guy, never the skilled guy. And just, just getting drafted actually made me feel like, Hey, if you work hard, you're going to get somewhere in life, no matter what. And, the, the job I'm doing right now, it's not my career. I never went to school for it, but I always worked 12 hour days and figured out a way to become better at what I did. And that's what I think the CJ is, is a bit, is a huge thing about in the CJ is that you work hard, you can still get there. You can get the scholarship. Like look at Jesse, prime example. Jesse wasn't the most skilled back in the day, but look where he did. And then now he's hundred percent. He look how much skill he gained is from his hard work. That's, that's what I think I gained from it. And you can get a life out of it. I know you have a little bit of a career in uh, an MMA. Uh, mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Rob get into that with you. Cause he knows a lot more than I do about that. So he, He's going to lead the combo on that one, all right? Yeah, so actually, Dylan, before before I get into that, uh, there was a fight in a parking lot when we were growing up, and uh, it was during the time where cell phones were a relatively new concept. So I don't know uh, how we got the call about it, but we were at a house party. Uh, anyways, we hear, hey, there's a fight you know, uh, going on at XYZ parking lot, and sure enough, you were one of the fighters. Uh, so mm-hmm. obviously, uh, we do the mature thing, and we all hop into a, 
a little car and I'm sure we were all wearing seat belts, even though we were like 10 in one car and you were using elbows and uh, possibly kicks. I don't really remember because obviously it's a long time ago. And also I probably had a cold 45 or something before. <laughs> this, this is before I ever heard of UFC or MMA. So I was just like, you know, like I'd never seen anything like that. So can you just tell me a little bit about how you were in- introduced in uh, martial arts? And if you even remember what I'm talking about. I remember 100%. That's where kind of like kicked it off fighting and going. That was before my, even I was playing junior and all that. I was, we were young back then. When that happened, because I, I know that you were using elbows and stuff like that, but so you discovered MMA after that fact? Yeah, and I had, well, Derek Tessier did some MMA fighting back then, and he was kind of my corner for this fight, and he's like, elbows, I remember hearing, I'm like, I played the junior career, and what happened was after I, I played my final year of junior, I went back to junior B and played in Morrisburg. Uh, we won the division that year, and we had a really good year, but I was kind of missing something after after my hockey. I said, I need something. Having that, you guys are both played hockey, been athletes. You just have that drive to, I couldn't sit and just go to my job and come home. I was going crazy. So I said, well, let's, let's try fighting. And I was living, still living back home with my parents. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try fighting in Ottawa. And Steve Eisel actually introduced me into it at uh, OAMA, which is Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts. So I was driving, I was working construction at the time. And then I would drive 45 minutes each way to an hour. So two hours of driving to train for three hours a night. That's where it started all, everything. Amateur fights? Yeah, I had some a bunch of in-house fights. Basically what happens is they saw something because I, I picked up on it really fast. I was only into it like for six months. And they're like, well, maybe this guy can do something. And they, gave, they give you an opportunity where you basically go to the gym on a Saturday. We had to do hill sprints up a hill. I don't ever want to see that hill again. And you had to do three hill sprints. And then after the hill sprints, like this was like you had a hundred people there and this was going to get you into an in-house fight. And then what happened was you go, they'd pick you up in the vehicle after your hill sprints. You would go run 10 kilometers and then come back and you do sparring and pad work. And at the end, I was like, okay, what's next? Like I was ready. I was in shape back then. They couldn't, they said your technique isn't where it needs to be, but with your heart, we're going to give you a couple of shots. And that's where it started too. Just hard work back to again, hard work. If, if I outran that person on the hill, I ran a, a good 10 kilometer in a good time. And then I actually did well in sparring and pads. I said, I got a chance to try something here. What kind of fights were they? Was it kickboxing or? It was, it was, it was a lot of stand up. I did a fight at uh, Throwdown No Town. So I fought a guy named Homer Dulay. So I like, how do you take that guy serious? Yeah. <laughs> so, he was from Toronto gym and uh, I KO'd him the second round. I was like, I've been hit by guys who were some hockey players hit way, way heavier than any stand-up fighter does in that sense. So I was like, I just fed him the first, uh, first two rounds. And then I had another fight out in uh, Calgary. They actually flew us down there. It was, I think it was the Deerfoot Casino. It was right close to Calgary, and then I fought a guy named Seth Kravinsky, and I knocked him out in the second round. I remember I could hear his girlfriend scream in the crowd, and I thought that was kind of entertaining. <laughs> At weigh-ins, like I, when I first started fighting, I, I walked into there. I was like after hockey playing. I was weighing around 175, 180, and my fight was at my fights. My first fight was 145, so I cut quite a bit of weight. And then my second fight, they're like, we got one for you, and uh, in a couple months at 135, so I dropped down probably 30, 40 pounds within a, I'd say. Within six months, I was down. But like I, the last the last fight I had at one thirty five, I probably dropped twenty pounds in good three to three three to four weeks. So that was a tough weight cut. And I can kudos to any guy who fights. The weight cut is harder than any fight you're ever going to do. Really, that's so crazy. I, was, I can't believe that you were that weight. One thirty five, and then I remember weighing in against a guy like I, I, it's the first time I ever had abs, six pack. I'm like, this is good. And like, as soon as I eat, they're going to be gone. But <laughs> weighing in felt good because yeah. I went up there. I was one thirty four point five. He weighed in like a pound over and they're like, well, do you want to take the fight? Or do you want to make him sweat it out? And I said, fuck, make him sweat it out. I, I had lost this much weight. That fucker's going to go skip for a couple hours. I don't care what he's got to do. 
Yeah, for sure. Because I remember uh, when we used to party on Yates, there actually Matt used to live on Yates too, <laughs> and like you were, you were freaking jacked. You had to be like two hundred pounds or something when by yeah. at that time. When I was benching, yeah, quite a bit. I was a lot bigger, and then. But training, people think I'm amazed at a lone sport. It's not. Like, I was big, but, like, to get down to that weight cut, someone's got to push you. Like, I put it this way. I remember one night of training. I was around 143, 144, getting close to, like, getting close. You lose, like, quite a bit of weight right before the fight. And Mark Holtz, which he fought in the UFC, and he kind of guided me through the stand-up fighting I was doing and all that stuff. And he said, hey, you're close to weight, and so we're going to go to, for dinner. I'm like, fuck, he's going to get me a steak. Maybe he's going to buy a burger for me. He gets me a salad, and he said, you can have tomatoes on it. That was my treat. <laughs> I'm not fucking lying. Like, like it was three meals a day. I was eating tilapia and broccoli. I don't, my wife says, well, you don't want no uh, chicken or like or either chicken or broccoli. I said, I don't ever want to fucking see broccoli. Again. <laughs> what mm-hmm. were the, I guess the leagues or whatever that, of the, the, the fights that you had? It was Muay Thai stand up, like all, uh, no ground game or like that was all stand up. And I did the training also in, uh, like I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, did all the, all the grappling and everything like that. But my, my, I wanted to stand up and just throw. Yeah, no, for sure. Man, uh, it's been really nice catching up to you. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to uh, any of the podcasts, but uh, down to do the interrogation. Yeah, I fucking, I'm down for anything. Let's do right. uh, a chew uh, uh, in, so. What do you say? You're still on the chew, fuck? Yeah, I, I got to quit this shit. Yeah, I got to quit too, but I don't think I ever will, to be honest with you. What do you do down there, Redmond? Uh, no, I... I, I'm on the call me a pussy, but I'm doing the pouches now. I don't like all that shit in my teeth, so fuck that. Yeah, it's pretty gross shit. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Shit. It is. Yeah. It is. I fucking agree with you 100. percent It's nasty. <laughs> I used to do the pouches too. I couldn't stand that. Put Jesse on your podcast, and you have to fucking have me on there. I'm not gonna live up to that, guys. Come on. Guy with a fucking chewed fucking. <laughs> Before we do the interrogation, like, is there anything that you want to add? Uh, is there anything that you want to say? You're already talking about the concussion thing, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into that if you want. Well, with the concussions, I I know I had probably I'd say like I said four to six. Like I remember one time playing just in junior B my last year, like couldn't see out of my right eye, and coach is like, "Can you go?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, I can go, but fuck, I can't see out of my eye. I ain't gonna be very much good to the team." But uh, yeah, I there was a couple times where because when I came back. Before I went to Hawkesbury, I played with Aquasauce, I think, for like, it wasn't very long. You want to hear a good story? They actually bought me a car to play with them. Nice. Wow. <laughs> it was a Buick Regal, but fuck, they still bought me a car. <laughs> Fucking right. Who cares? Yeah, so they they bought me a car. I came back, and I remember I got, I, I was, we were, I was playing for Aquasauce just for, just until I could, when I was playing for, in between Hawkesbury, uh, I got hit so hard. I remember I woke up at the hospital, and I was pissed. Because it was my girlfriend's at the time. It was her. Uh, it was her birthday next day. I couldn't go, but yeah, that's that was number three or four at least. There, it was scary at the end. That's why when I got into the fighting, I was like, "Is this really good for you?" But then I realized, well, you're really not getting your head hit that much. And like, I was good at fighting, but I wasn't the level where. Do, do you have side effects? Uh, not bad. Like, there's days where you get headaches and stuff like that, but nothing like crazy. I just, I not, nothing like stupid. But yeah, headaches for sure, and there's no like depression. I ended up playing a few games in the uh, FHL when it came to uh, to Cornwall. Oh, um, nice. I and, never knew that. Uh, anyways, yeah, I, I just kind of got a call from Al Kenville, actually. I had actually tried out for the Warriors, and I didn't make it. So whatever, it was kind of cool because it's whatever I get to play. Long story short, I got in a couple fights in that game without wanting to even do it. For that, So I played in like three games, and I got in five fights. And I wasn't, I'm not even saying I was good at it. But one of those games, uh, like Buddy just hit me with a right before I even was able to like tie him up or anything mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, like uh, I was lucky I had someone else with me at the game that was able to drive back home because it was in Watertown and yeah. I wasn't like fucking puking or nothing, but I definitely was not able to drive. So had had to be a con- concussion. I, I fought again in that game later on, but I'm just saying uh, you knew something wasn't. Yeah, you just you just know. And when you get wrong again, you know what you know what the feeling is. It's not a good feeling. And I understand like that's why we go back to the head hits. I agree with it. They don't need to be in hockey, but still part of hockey that's what i get I, that's what i'm getting down to it's part of the sport guys we knew it when we signed up right no exactly that's that's my whole thing if if you're going into a game knowing that you're gonna fight i mean you can't you can't turn around at the end of the day like no. and complain about no. it I, I, that's my view but yeah and like eric Veyu was like a you know eric he was a tough guy like he was our height probably maybe a little bit shorter but there was one practice. This is a quick story that if you want to throw it in, there was a guy yeah, named sure. Fozzie. On, there's a guy named Fozzie on our team. And I was really close with a guy named Chad Glode. And he called him a racist name one practice, one day in the dressing room. So the guys kind of like told him to shut his mouth, put him in place. And then the next practice, Eric look, looks at me. We're doing the low drill, basically hash marks down three on three. He looks at me. He goes, gravely, you have the green light. I said, You're, what? Practice? My own player? This, he was a French guy. I hated him. Like nothing. I, I got a lot of great French friends. Nothing with that. But he just, uh, he said, go. So I pumped him. <laughs> so that, that That's where hockey was when I was playing. Like it was a different, like, and there was, there was no breaking it up. Like there was, when I was done, that's when they pulled me off. It was just, that was hockey then in practice. Someone offended one of your own players. In that sense, you just took them to town. That's, that's how it was. Like when I was, I remember going to Pembroke. And you're playing against guys with, guys with beards when you're 16 years old, like playing junior. Like these guys were men, and you're just you're five six, and you just got to find a way to make it, make it, make, try to make a career out of being in that league. Sorry, I meant to ask you this a while ago, but Matt just rudely interrupted me. But uh, anyways, uh, it's just about uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you, Matt, and I miss you guys. You guys are fucking beauties. Uh, just about the UFC, actually, because. Uh, I watched that uh, Cowboy versus uh, McGregor fight. Actually, I won't lie, I fell asleep and I uh, watched the replays the next day. <laughs> Who's your favorite fighter in the UFC now? If you if you watch it at all, I I love Connor. I love I love Cerrone. That that was a hard fight for me to watch because Cowboy has got every record. He's tough. He's he's basically the toughest guy. I think he's probably fought in the UFC just because his his hard work ethic. He was never the most talented. We know that. But I love. Yeah. I didn't like Connor at the beginning because his mouth like he just didn't know when to shut up but but then he puts you in your place mystic mac would predict something and then you go to sleep yeah but the last fight i watched some actual press conferences like the upcoming everything like that he's changed i like him better now than i like him then so that he puts i put him in first place just because i think he has some issues outside of fighting with bar fights and all that stuff and i think he just i think he's a better person now and i like the way he's gone with his career but i like him now you know one guy i absolutely love is that is on Oh, he's beauty, beauty. Oh man, he is a beauty. I watched his last fight. He, yeah, he's he's. An, I'd say the next Anderson Silva, if not better. I like John Jones. He's had some issues outside the ring, but I do love. I love him. I think this guy is the next Anderson Silva. I really do. Yeah, and they were calling him a skinny bitch, and then he puts you to sleep. It mean, doesn't matter how skinny you are if you can still put him on the chin. Definitely, and actually, you know what? Uh, if people are listening to this episode, mm-hmm. whatever, you don't have to comment on this, but your voice actually sounds like Cowboy Cerrone a little bit, so. Yeah, we've both been hitting the head a lot, so it fucking matches up, I guess. <laughs> Obviously, he holds a lot of UFC records, so I would take it as a compliment. I went to go see his last fight in Ottawa against uh, Ally Quinta. Uh, not his oh. last fight, but before that. And uh, that, that was quite the quite the show that he put on for the, for the fans. So. Yeah, he, he's just a beauty. I think just his, his lifestyle is like there's no zero. It's 
zero to 100. He's at 100 all the time. Even when you, I watch some of his, his upcoming fights, uh, like some of the upcoming broadcasts for the McGregor fight, like he's just either he's on a dirt bike, he's riding horses. He lives yeah, life yeah. to the fullest, and that's what I think I like about him. He's, he's, he's a good American boy. I like him. Honestly, like I hope he doesn't pass away like after his UFC career, like uh, too too young because it seems like he's always looking for that rush, and I just hope he doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like just even like when he fought Connor, like his face was a mess within forty seconds. Like how much damage has he took into his head? <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, man. I think it's time for the interrogation. So, you ready to do this, bud? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. It's called the interrogation, and it is brought to you by none other than Bourbon Brewery in Cornwall. Bourbon is a microbrewery in Cornwall, Ontario, and as I'm doing the podcast right now with Maddie Boy, I am enjoying a nice, fresh, cold, fluffy boy IPA, and let me tell you, it tastes as good as it sounds. There's some hints of fruit, but I'm not going to pretend to be an expert Andy at Urban will help you with everything that you need. And they are open Monday to Wednesday, 11 to 5, Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So perfect when you're done your 9 to 5 job. Just go pick up a nice six-pack and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's going to be a great weekend. So check out Urban Brewing. They have everything from stouts to lagers to pale ales. So if you're in the Cornwall area and you want something to do while you're in town, definitely go check out this microbrewery. They are 100% local and uh, you can have their beers in our local restaurants as well. But definitely check out this place. Uh, You won't be disappointed. And Andy's there to explain to you what's in the beer and why not drink this beer where you actually know what's in it rather than buy a big commercial product and he can even show you how the beer is made i'm hoping to get him on a podcast soon enjoy the interrogation all right state your name and date of birth name dylan gravely april 26 1984 favorite chocolate bar uh fucking snickers for sure right on because uh you're not you when you're hungry right fuck no turn into a fucking bitch (laughs) favorite sports movie Favorite sports movie? Fucking uh, True Blood. Want to go, pretty boy? Come on. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Favorite hockey song? Uh, Enter Sandman, because that was my fight song. Shapely or skinny women? Oh, I love curves. Smooch, Mary dump. Okay. Yeah. So, got the concept? <laughs> it's pretty basic, but I'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> Sophia Vargara, Celine Dion, and Kesha. You got to smooch one, marry one, and dump one. I'm going to dump uh, Celine Dion. What's the other two? Fuck. Sorry, guys. Uh, Kesha, Kesha with a dollar sign. Mm-hmm. And Sofia Vargara, the girl from uh, uh, that family show there. She's like a Latina hottie. Yeah, I'm going to marry her. Who are you going to smooch? Kesha? Kesha, for sure. Oh, yeah. Big big smooch, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a smooch. Nothing else. Nothing else. No, not even a tongue. No, no. Someone left you a cottage in their will, and you're allowed to pick where that cottage gets dropped off. So where would you pick the location? Aspen. For the skiing? Yeah, for sure. And just that lifestyle. Maybe smoke some weed. <laughs> so we got a skier that lives in Ohio? Uh, well, there's, there's a, they call it a ski hill, but it's a fucking bunny hill. It's no bigger than uh, Big Ben. I like, the, I like the snowboard. 
You've just been falsely convicted of a crime and the death penalty was imposed. What's your last meal? Uh, last meal, Big Mac with a large fry and a fucking uh, smoothie after a shake. I'd say a vanilla shake. Fuck, you're classy. Do they have the shakes there at McDonald's in the States? Oh, they're fucking garbage here. They're not even thick. It's not like when I was a kid, you used to get a shake and you had to like wait for five minutes here. It's just like drinking fucking water. Do they, do they have shakes at McDonald's here in Canada? I don't think so. They used yeah. to. Oh, do they do? I don't know. I always go. I always go for the McFlurry. Oh, McFlurry's yeah, a beauty too. That's that's a tough one. Oh, but you know what? Bubba just came in the room and he slapped that plate out of your hand. So what are you gonna do now? I'm gonna slap the teeth out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, it was definitely good catching up. And uh, you guys are doing a great job with this. <laughs>